And welcome once again to EWTN's Bookmark. I'm Doug Keck, your host. Our special guest, our good friend, Bishop Robert J. Baker, STD. His book, Rejoicing in Hope, Meditations for the Advent and Christmas Seasons, proudly published by EWTN Publishing, and likewise proudly available through our EWTN Religious Catalog, EWTNRC.com for all things Catholic. It's always great to see you. Doug, so good to Bishop, be with you. Uh, Thank you for the invitation. After the wonderful work you did uh, here in the Diocese of Birmingham, a great friend of the network, uh, and even a protector in some ways over the years. I hope so. Uh, and uh, we always appreciated that. And uh, the two of us first uh, started talking when you when you did a novel years ago, right? That's correct. Cacique was right. a novel of the story of uh, missionaries in Florida and the Native Americans. And uh, incidentally, the, they've just begun a cause, um, the uh, Martyrs of La Florida mm -hmm. has gone off to Rome. They completed the canonical phase of that story, so you'll hear more about those uh, people in my story. Right. You also wrote a book with uh, with Father Groeschel, right, at one point in time? When Did We See You, Lord? And uh, yeah, he was often a guest here. Right, absolutely. And uh, Good I, friend, I yes. refer to him in my new book as well. Right, absolutely. Now this Rejoicing in Hope, Meditations for the Advent and Christmas Seasons, now this is based on uh, on some material you put, had put together and, and we had done videos of, right, over the years. That's right. I, I say I'm kind of a ghost of Christmas past <laughs> here today because I was uh, sharing some of these meditations on EWTN uh, long about 2009. We started with Christmas and then um, I was concerned that Christmas was not celebrated as a season. Right. So I, I, I did these meditations. And then somebody said, the problem isn't the Christmas season, it's the Advent season. People don't celebrate Advent in the church. It, it's, it's Christmas in, before Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Right. And so I did those to kind of uh, get that spirit of uh, Advent. So this book combines right. meditations and, and some are added. Right. I thought it was interesting that you dedicated the, this work to all marchers for life and hundreds of thousands of people, especially young people, who sought the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Why, why did you decide to dedicate it to that? Well, the whole theme of the book is hope and joy and also to the Supreme Court justices who helped overturn Roe v. Wade. It mm. took uh, courage to do that and um, I joined with them, many of them, mm -hmm. Um, in that those marches, Nellie Gray was a woman who started well, that we, effort. We covered every year, and we covered it all yeah, those years. Yeah, and too, she, right? uh, I was on the stage the day she fainted, and then she died shortly after. Mm -hmm. But great woman with great hope. I mean, who would have guessed in our time we'd we'd see right. Roe v. Wade overturned? But it took patience, hope, and and a spirit of you know, joy that um, someday we'd right. see a result. Well, you're quoting Romans there. I was going to mention, rejoice in hope, be patient under trial, persevere in prayer. That's one of the quotes that you have right at the beginning of the book. Well, I used part of that in my, uh, my motto for my coat of arms. Uh, I used the Latin phrase, uh, rejoicing in hope. The, the translation wa it was actually a participle, participle rejoicing in hope. So I, I use that and I refer to that in the book too. Right. You talk about the genesis of this book and you also talk about some of the artwork and you mentioned some of our, our, our graphics people, including uh, our own Maria Kaspersky yes. um, to add the... Yeah, well, Mar uh, Maria, she's a great lady and I think you have some of the best staff in terms of that kind of thing, right. uh, graphics. Absolutely. And she, she helped me make this kid friendly 
by f uh, photographing my Christmas crib by Henri figures. Mm -hmm. And so they're interspersed in there to help parents when they're y using this book, right. uh, lighting candles, that they also have uh, a reference to the the Christmas images. And I, I, I think they're important in this season. You know, it's, it's, the two, uh, it's been now um, a thousand years since the, this year, 1223, when St. Francis inaugurated right. that Christmas celebration uh, with uh, right. images. so I think Rome is planning on having the, the manger scene replicate that or something similar to okay, it. Okay, I'm not aware of that, undoing, but, uh, so. Mother Angelica leaves her Christmas crib up. Oh, it's up all, right. all year, which, which I you reference in the book too. Right? Yes, which is important yeah. that, and, and they do in Assisi, the town of Assisi too. So. Right. Yeah, if you ever get to, <clears throat> people get to visit Mother's Wonderful Shrine up in Hansville, obviously. It's worth a visit. You, you can get Any to day say, of the year. You can get to say it. You talk about two virtues that, that are really important, which is hope and joy. And you really talk about their true meaning is always tied to our relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How so? Well, let me say, first of all, the definition that St. Thomas gives for gaudium or joy. He says, joy is the possession of a good. It's an actual possession of it. And so there are different kind of goods, but Jesus, God, is the ultimate good. So we, uh, real joy, the ultimate joy is the mm -hmm. possession of God in our lives. Uh, prayer is the main, and the Eucharist <coughs> is our end, uh, is our possession of Him right now. So it's He talks about gaudium rei, <coughs> the the reality of joy right now, and principally <coughs> that would be in the Eucharist. And then there's a gaudium spei, the joy of hope. Mm -hmm which is for eternal life. Uh, Blessed Carlo Cudis says, the Eucharist is our highway to heaven, so our ultimate joy is in heaven. Mm -hmm. Our ultimate joy is not here. The sacraments enable us to experience it in, in uh, the sacramental way. Why do you think that's so lost on many young people, especially today? Well, everything's the here and now. Huh? Mm -hmm. and, and they're finding, because of all the tragedies that our young people are facing is just so sad, uh, despair, lack of hope, and uh, suicide rate and the drug use are symbols of the fact that God has been replaced more and more by the, mm -hmm. the secular. Uh, Father Spitzer, uh, your dear friend and right. co uh, colleague have, have said that so often, what is affecting the youth, right. and principally it is uh, a lack of the sense of God. Right. And obviously, your, your connection with Mother Elvira and the whole Chinocolo and, and the idea of where faith is so important in the recovery of people from a, these addictions, right? Correct. So before I met Mother Elvira, I didn't see a whole lot of hope mm -hmm. with all I was reading about the drug world. Plus, we had already establishments, uh, soup kitchen shelters with people on the streets uh, when I was a priest <coughs> in Gainesville, Florida. and also in St. Augustine, <coughs> excuse me, where we have seen people die on the streets. Mm, right. And what was happening was um, the drug world was taken over. And so we had to counter that by finding some way. And I eventually I met Mother Elvira, who was uh, a lady with third grade education, but her father had been an alcoholic. She realized the problems of addiction. And now she, uh, mm. before her death this past August, she had about 72 houses around the right. world. And it all came because the Lord blessed her because she realized the resource is the Lord and the principal resource of finding the Lord is the sacraments mm -hmm. 
uh, the Eucharist is the principal one. You say with the help of Advent candles and the Christ candle, which is the one you use for Christmas, of hope, we will embrace God of hope and joy in these holy seasons. Religious symbols relate us to God. Candles are special religious symbols that remind us that Christ is the light of the world. You say a candle was presented to our godparents at the time of our baptism. A candle will be a special symbol used at the Easter vigil, and one candle will be placed in front of our our casket at the same time. Why, why are those symbols, especially as Catholics, so important and, and the whole idea of the Advent candle? Well, um, first of all, symbols, what are they? They're any person, thing, event, or reality that relates us to some other person, thing, event, or reality. And religious symbols relate us to God. We don't see God, but the symbols draw us closer to Him. And the sacram sacraments are signs or symbols of the reality of the presence of God. Mm -hmm. But these others are important. They lead up to the great sacraments of, of our church, and they should not be thrown off the side. So I did my doctoral dissertation related to symbol and its meaning and its value. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're seeing a resurrection of interest even among uh, Protestant Christians in, in use of symbols. Now I added <laughs> that little candle, the candle in the middle, that I, I wanted to perpetuate the Christmas season. Mm -hmm. The Christmas crib helps that, but also using a candle lighting. And um, so I have a, a unique holder for that <clears throat> made out of glass that's uh, with a symbol of the, the baptismal, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the, the uh, crib scene. Mm -hmm. But any candle is fine, right. but I, I think it's good to do that. And then I have a prayer that's mm -hmm. said with these prayers at the end of these prayers, these meditations after Christmas. Now, in the meditation for the Advent season, you have, a, you have a paragraph here from our Father Alfred Delp, SJ, who says, it all depends upon our waiting, staying vigilant, straining towards what lies ahead with true openness. The pre prerequisites for fulfilled Advent is a renunciation of the arrogant gestures and tempting dreams with which and in which man is always deceiving himself. Why did you decide to pull well, that quote? Yeah, if I, Father Delp was never canonized, but he resisted the Nazis and was one of those uh, leaders who stood up for values. And when the Nazi regime took over Germany, and he was eventually killed for it. But he points, he did meditations that I borrowed one mm -hmm. from him. Now, you know, I think Advent is about that. It's renunciation of those false expectations mm -hmm. we have of ourselves, other people, and of God. and. And, and, and getting rid of them. Mm -hmm. And so with the help of prayer and fasting, we do that all, all through the season. There are other um, aspects to that too, how we get rid of it, but it's, mm -hmm. Advent is primarily through the symbols entering into a spiritual renewal. The spiritual renewal is what it's all about. Now you go day by day, obviously, through, through the four weeks of Advent, and we basically have uh, what would be a reflection uh, and then you, you kind of have a question and then you have a, a prayer that you use for lighting That's the candles, correct. right? That's the basic format you use throughout the book. And that, the, the people can take that question with their children or change it mm -hmm. for the sake of the, the little ones. I want to involve the children in this. Right perhaps in the evenings after dinner. Well, that's what's not, the Advent candle, and these kinds of practices are great for families with young children, that's, that's right? That's correct, yeah, I think it's a marvelous thing, you know, even though you have to be careful with kids with fire. Right, so. yeah, absolutely. Uh, you talk about here 
the idea. Unfortunately, the holy season, as you alluded to before, gets lost in the shuffle of preparation for Christmas or already begun in a secular society, as, as we mentioned. So we need the Advent season to help us focus our attention on the spiritual preparation for the celebration of the greatest event of history and the birth of Christ. What's interesting is, is that most of us think of Advent as kind of being that, and not that it's not joyful and hopeful, but there's also a certain kind of reflective penitential aspect to it, right? There is, and um, with the Eastern churches, the Maronites, the Melkites, I think theirs is six weeks, and it's more intense, mm -hmm. penitential. So, uh, but I would think right now, uh, Doug, with the situation in Israel, uh, and with the Palestinian uh, uh, conflict, as bad as it is, anything could escalate. And I think this season we should try right. to do more penance and prayer uh, all through the Advent season and, yes, even into the Christmas season. Right. And, and you talk about uh, the, the, the idea, the meaning of hope, hope as virtue is critical for the survival in life because obviously without hope, you, then you lead yourself to despair, which is actually uh, the other side of the coin, which is another book that you actually uh, published with us that was very, very popular, right? Yes, that prayers of desperation and um, it is the flip side um, but it is also a book of hope. Uh, my point there is that God answers the, the simplest of prayer that could be why Lord, when Lord, how Lord. Mm -hmm. I happened to be watch, watching Mother Angelica one time when she talked about she was down on money and kind <laughs> of uh, worried about how she's paying bills and she went into the chapel and said, why Lord are you doing this to me? And in prayer she heard the Lord say, well, why me? And it was the, the, the psalm where Jesus uh, quotes, Eli, Eli, Lema Sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So, uh, you know, desperation is an opportunity for mm -hmm. hope right. for those who believe in Jesus. You just need to pray to him. And, you know, people, even those that were at Sandy, Hope, Sandy Hook's elementary right. school, beautiful stories of people who did that, mm -hmm. who offered the prayer in it, and just telling God, you know, I don't know how, why, where were you when I was, when this was happening to my child? When they uttered that prayer, um, one mother says, God responded and gave her peace and took away her anger. Right. In one of your quotes you talk about here on the uh, one that after this, our exile, you quote Father Groeschel, the life on earth can have moments of exquisite beauty, of great satisfaction, but it can also be a valley of tears. And the reflection is, how does seeing life as a prelude to a life more wonderful and more vibrant, give us hope. Do you think part of the problem we have is that people no longer see that, that eternal reward aspect there? So they feel like whatever they're dealing with right now, this is it. I think that you're right, and we become more secular to the extent that we uh, eliminate God from the picture, as, as Father Spitzer has said so often with you, um, that becomes problematic. and. In, in our whole lifestyle because we're not focusing on eternity. My, my very last words, and I, you might be getting to them, mm -hmm. but I quote from Archabbot Lambert, Lambert Riley at the end there where we talk about spay gaudentes rejoicing in hope, where is true joy to be found? And ultimately he says the same thing, right. that um, you know, it, while we have a, an element of joy in this world, and uh, a major joy in, in, in the presence of the Lord in the Eucharist, our ultimate joy will be possessing Him in eternity. And we need not be afraid um, that we'll face that someday. I'm 79, I got you by about 20 years. And I wish. 
<laughs> I and wish. so I don't know how many more I got left. But Mother Elvira, when she died, she said, I want no mourning. I want you guys to dance and celebrate because it's my entrance into the life of the Lord. And we presume she went to heaven. Right. Yeah, that's the point. Of course, you want everybody to go to heaven right. to be able to celebrate. But we that. pray for them as if they haven't made it yet. There we are. Because we want right. to make sure, right? Nope. Yes. And also, day 14, joy and hope over the sinner who repents. And, and, and we know that heaven, that, that is such an important thing. In, that's in, correct. In, in, yeah. in our, our Catholic said, faith, right? we don't just have joy, 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 joy. Right. It, it, it's, it's, first of all, <clears throat> repentance brings mm -hmm. joy. And there's a relief, and that's why we have the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Mm. My friend, Mother Elvira, that's a big thing in her, her community, is, is, is the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Right. And so we go through the four weeks. Uh, you talk about saints as models of our hope, and you quote Pope Benedict, who said, it's important to have travel companions on the journey of our Christian life, which is why the saints are so important for us to understand that communion of saints. It's really a support system. Correct. And, and there are people that have lived in the past, but, you know, uh, I think little blessed Carlo Cudis is reaching out and you, EW10 has promoted his story rightly because he is relating to thousands of, of teenagers uh, with the way he uh, lived and what he taught. I think he was in, had infused knowledge from right. the time of his, his um, uh, first communion in a special way because he went to Mass every day and then all kind of insights, mm -hmm. but he's a model. But I mentioned also the Blessed Mother and St. Joseph are the most powerful of the saints. Right. I pray to both of them every day. And your guardian uh, angel. And my guardian angel. Right. I was ordained a bishop on the feast of the guardian angels. And uh, yeah, so there, I mean, mm -hmm. we, we, we need those people that are around us and those people that have already arrived right. to tell us how we can live today. Right. You know, now, and, and as we move into the Christmas candle in the, in the second half of the book, Meditations, and this was a great story. I always remember this story you tell about walking down the street in Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah. But it was a day after Christmas, was yeah. it? And there's no reflection on Charleston, South right. Carolina, but it was one of those wrought iron balconies. Mm -hmm. And what many people do is get rid of their Christmas tree and put it outside after Christmas. Well, they were doing it right away, mm -hmm. and it just always struck me that what's missing here is that it may be over too quick. So don't throw out your Christmas tree or the crib. Uh, the Vatican keeps theirs up till I think February 2nd, mm -hmm, actually. Right, yeah. So, I mean, it's a season and you need to pull out the stops and continue that meditation. Well, part of the problem with that is, especially for people, if they've used a real tree, who end up putting up their tree before Thanksgiving oh, or right. have the Christmas ornament stuff up by Thanksgiving, by the time it's they dead. hit Christmas, it's a month old. <laughs> and, and instead of Water it being your tree. the Just beginning, <laughs> as you say here, December 25th, Christmas Day, that's the beginning of Christmas. Yeah. It doesn't end on December 26th. Right, and it used to be the 12 days of Christmas. When right. I did my first uh, interviews with you, I did right. it with the 12 days, but actually it's longer now. Right. And it's till the baptism of the Lord, that feast, which is a movable feast, so right. I have more meditations in there. You say, may the Christ candle we light symbolize our desire to bring light into the world of darkness and hope into a world of despair. And as you indicated, uh, we've got a lot of that going on uh, today. And you say, by keeping your Christmas crib displayed throughout the Christmas season, you, you have a personal affinity for Christmas cribs, don't you? I definitely do. Right. And you know, uh, Doug, this is the thousandth anniversary of the Christmas crib. St. Francis right, started right. it in 1223. 
um, your sisters out in Hansville are having a special celebration. Right. And Mother Angelica has hers up every day of the yeah, year. Yeah, right. People can go there, visit her. Which is beautiful. Right. Beautiful. December 27th, Emmanuel, God is with us. One of the special titles of Christ in the Christmas season is Emmanuel, God is with us. God is here in the Holy Eucharist to give healing and to hope to every situation in life. For many people, God may seem far away or remote in the Christmas season. Illness, death of a family, loss of a job, problematic marriage, son of a daughter or spouse who might be addicted to drugs, all of these things. But remember, God is here, and, and it's so important that God is with us, and especially in a, in a unique sense in the Eucharist. And, and I believe it makes a difference, <clears throat> that it's not just a pious platitude. <clears throat> if you go to Mass Sundays, but even in during the Advent season, take another day or two or three or four or all week. And in Christmas season, uh, let his um, grace touch your life. Blessed Carlo Cudus said this, uh, you'll have one foot in heaven right. if you do it every day. So uh, yeah, there's, it, the Eucharist will change your attitude. It just will stay with it. Now, not that some people might need other helps, right. counseling, um, some kind of medication occasionally, but the greatest medication is the Holy Eucharist. Right, and, and also you talk about the Feast of the Holy Innocents on December 28th. Already at birth there was a price tag on the head of Jesus. Jesus had a special regard for little children. And, and obviously you know, the whole Feast of the Holy Innocents, you know, it always, you know, rang so, and obviously you dedicated to the pro-lifers, but it, you know, it's like, it's like the abortion issue of, uh, of the first century. Yeah, for some reason, Satan seems to go after infants, right. and he started it with, with Jesus. Just think of the, the, the plight that Jesus had to escape to Egypt, as it's happening right now with the people that are refugees, because he would be killed where he was. And so no home. No, no secure home he had. So um, in our world today, infants don't have a secure home. Right. And, and as you pointed out earlier, I think it's important for some of us who are lucky enough that during the Christmas season, you know, we hit them, we have families and those mm -hmm. situations going on. But for many, many people, it, it's actually the hardest time of the year for them. Exactly. And that's where um, my, one of my chapters is on baptism and confirmation. Mm -hmm. uh, baptism makes us disciples of Jesus confirmations, uh, apostles, um, missionaries, we should do things to help alleviate those problems. Uh, Christmas time, but all through the year, what is my gift, what is my talent? Because hope comes, Jesus really uses us as he used the saints to lead other people to him. And he's using us at Christmas, but all through the year, at Advent, all through the year. Uh, we have special gifts. I tell the drug addicts I work with, I can't reach other drug addicts, but you can. Right. Once you've experienced his healing, you have a moral obligation to reach out. It's not over once you leave Chinaklo. Right, exactly. So that's rejoicing in our hope meditation for Advent and Christmas season. I just wanted in the last couple of minutes since we kind of talked a little bit about uh, the, the other book that was very, very popular, which was the prayers of desperation because we are dealing with people even in this as we move into the Advent season, Thanksgiving, Advent and Christmas where there are people who are dealing with the other side of the coin. Right. And so my message here is that prayer, any, uh, uh, the simplest kind of prayer is important. God is knocking at your door 
always. Mm -hmm. And you just have to open the door and prayer is the way you open it. And sometimes the only prayer you can pray is a, a prayer in time of desperation. Mm -hmm. Think of all those people that lost their homes, that lost their lives. We watch them on TV, uh, both sides of the border. Mm -hmm. uh, we think of the people pouring over the border into our country and coming to our churches. Um, they're desperate people. Mm -hmm. So um, God is still with them and they need to continue to pray. And some of the people with the greatest faith are those who come out of desperation with a prayer. Right, and, and obviously what happens in many of these geopolitical situations going on, uh, the, the regular person who's just trying to live their life and, and have a decent life for them and their family is caught in the middle, right, in the correct. crossfire. That's correct. And, and hopefully it'll be Christian people that help resolve most of the problems of the world. We should. Right. We have the Eucharist. Right. Others don't have that. Right. And the Eucharist is the real presence of Jesus in our world, right. in our lives. Any thoughts about another book? Well, not unless you call me again, but uh, okay. they're both, I think, beautiful books, and I recommend them highly, <laughs> and they're brother and sister. They go together, right. Right. so thanks, Doug, for taking me on oh, another no, no time. Oh, no problem, any time. And you also have a book there in the Jesse Tree that our religious catalog carries, which is another great way to keep <laughs> that uh, is, the spirit alive as, as you lead up to Christmas for a family. And I commend EWTN for uh, all your great work in uh, sharing the gospel message in a positive, hopeful, and joy-filled right. way right. all through the years. Thanks to Mother Angelica. Absolutely. Thank you. Bishop uh, Baker, our ex extraordinary ordinary here <laughs> in Birmingham, Alabama, rejoicing Thanks. in our hope, Meditations for the Advent and Christmas Seasons great family book. Check it out through our EWTN religious catalog, EWTNRC.com. I'm Doug Keck. This has been Bookmark. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.